0: Welcome to A Matter of Principles, a podcast from the Association of Washington School Principals. We've got some original podcasts in our feed, the podcast you're about to hear is the audio from an episode of AWSP TV, our talk show for principals. Make sure to tune in to our live episodes and catch all of our shows by subscribing to our YouTube channel. In the meantime, enjoy the audio from this episode of AWSP TV. Hello, and welcome to another episode of AWSP TV. Uh, my name is Gina and I'm an associate director with uh, AWSP out of Walla Walla, and it's my pleasure this morning to introduce to you Angela Kelly-Robeck, who is an author of The Empowered Principal, who will be joining us uh, this week for our inaugural Well Summit. So welcome, Angela.
1: Thank you, Gina. It is so nice to be here today. I really appreciate the time
0: well I you know one of the things uh, we were kind of chuckling about this morning was how did how did our paths cross and I guess you know your um, passion around school leadership um, kind of did led well led to you writing a very cool book that we're very excited about and so can you tell us a little bit about your history and education and where you find yourself as an author today
1: sure sure so the way that you and i connected was through a colleague and friend of mine her name is leslie moffett she's a co-author with me we went through the author incubator together and that was really a coaching program for first-time writers who want to write a book don't know how but we were fellow educators she is a band director wanted to support her colleagues with um, with band directing in at the high school level so she is doing that with her book um, and I decided to support my peers in uh, school leadership I have been a school principal I was a school principal for six years went up to district office for a year but for before deciding that I really wanted to fulfill my mission in a new capacity, and that is to coach and mentor new principals and principals who feel they're on the cusp of burnout.
0: Oh, my gosh. Well, I'll tell you, um, AWSP has partnership with OSPI, our public instruction, uh, around principal mentoring. So I'm very curious as to um, your role um, and training around specifically coaching and mentoring. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, sure.
1: So it's an interesting path, and I have a little unique twist on how I coach and the tools that I use. So when I first became a principal, I was a single mom. I was transitioning into my first tenure as a principal and my son Alex was going into the 6th grade so he was transitioning into middle school. So as you can imagine, mm-hmm. it was a little chaotic. Um, you know, I was busy, you know, leading, trying to lead the school and get my head above water and he was really struggling in terms of that emotional and mental transition that kids mm-hmm. face when they go into mm-hmm. middle school. So, you know, I was really torn. I was wanting to be there for my kids but also wanting to be there for my own son and I um sorry about that and um, I but I really felt I really felt torn and I had a wonderful coach Fran Johnson I'm calling out to you she was my mentor and coach through the new teacher center Um, that is based out of Santa Cruz actually and she was great in helping me establish like those systems and the protocols and kind of the skill set that I needed Um, but where I found myself struggling was the emotional and mental Mm. aspect of the job I don't think people understand you know, how challenging it is. It's one thing when you're teaching, you have your peers and your grade level and your colleagues to support you and to talk through some of those day-to-day challenges with the kids and parents. But when you get into a leadership role, it's very isolating. And there's, a, there's also this idea that you should, you're the leader, you should know what to do, you should know how to do it, you should have yourself pulled together, calm, cool, collected, right? We're told, fake it till you make it. And that wasn't working for me. So I really reached outside of my school district in that bubble of education, and I was just searching and looking for anything that could help me understand how I was going to manage the way that I felt about the job and, the, and the, the toll that it took on me. And that's when I ran into Martha Beck, who if you don't know Dr. Martha Beck, she was dubbed as Oprah's life coach. And I was like, wow, what the heck is a life coach? <laughs> oh, and awesome. so um, I ended up following her, stalking her, just over so gently <laughs> on social media. And she was offering a life coach training program That I said, I must do this. Like I my life's a mess. I'm a hot mess. And (laughs) I wanted to figure life out. And I wanted to be the example for my staff and students when they were struggling. I wanted to figure that out. So I went through her training and that just really delved in helped me delve into the world of personal development, which I was like, this stuff's amazing. I can bring these tools to school and use them with the kids and the staff and the parents. And so then in 2015, because you know, our, I feel like school leadership, we go in cycles. We have these moments of like, this is awesome. This is amazing. We've made mm-hmm. some progress. We're connecting with kids and families and our staffs. And then there's these months or years that feel like what's happening <laughs> to mm-hmm. me and, and uh, can I continue to do this? I really don't know if I can keep this up. So 2015 rolls around. I went into the life coach school program. I got certified as a coach. And again, really just I wanted the tools. It was really a personal thing, but this time I was like, how can I bring these tools into the job itself? And the results were phenomenal. So I would coach with kids, so they would come in, you know, misbehaviors would be sent to me. We would sit down and talk about it, and the kids were so receptive to like, wow, my emotions are why I'm behaving this way. And I didn't realize that I was what that person said, I was making it mean something terrible about me, and that made me mad. And so then the parents would come in and say, what are you teaching our children? (laughs) And it was just this beautiful organic conversation around how our thoughts and emotions really do impact how we approach life and how we approach situations, and that gives us our results, and that cycle is always in motion. So that's really what I wrote the book about to help leaders see how that their emotions
0: impact their results. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, that's really, really powerful. I know one of the things um, that we talk about um, as an executive staff and with other members of our um, elementary, middle, and high school committees across the state is what are those things that are kind of robbing the joy in leadership from you? It's just the continued higher expectations and then being exhausted and trying to be everything to everyone. And I'm just wondering, um, around higher expectations, what does, that, what does that look like? If you start to own your own emotions and your mindset around the expectations, how how can you blend those things together to help you find a little, little bit of joy back in the yes. job? Yes.
1: Well, I think it's really important to understand that it's never the situation. It's not the high expectations themselves, in and of themselves, It's the way we think about them, what we make those higher expectations mean. And what I believe a lot of, especially female leaders, have made it mean is that the onus is on them. The responsibility is completely on their shoulders. They're the leader of the school. They're owning it. So they are owning their responsibility in the work, which is why we're working longer and harder and more aggressively. But what we're finding out is we're not owning boundaries. We're not owning time management. We're not owning that a priority means one. We're we're, you know, ten priorities in a school district or to all these mandates. We're not having those conversations about, you know, that that priority. Um, is no longer a priority if there are 10 of them. So where are we going to create um, some boundaries around what is the priority? And that also, um, taking our ownership back for the way we're thinking and feeling about the job itself and the uh, permission to end the day, the permission to be a human and to experience life outside of education and to know that you are enough in what you're doing so I teach a system for getting their um, schedules managed but that starts with managing your mind about your schedule and I think that we tend to do it the reverse we believe that actions create results but really the only reason that actions create results are because of the way we're thinking and feeling that's what drives human being behavior and once we really understand that then we can get a grasp on those higher expectations and what we're making them mean and how we approach them.
0: That's powerful. Uh, One of the um, great privileges I have uh, with uh, leading professional development for Mm -hmm. AWSP along with uh, my other counterparts is um, having an audience with principals, you know, every few months to say, okay, what's going well? Let's really celebrate. And what are those things that are just, you know, robbing you of your joy, so to speak? And one of the things that consistently comes up is time. And when we talk about self-care and we talk about the importance of managing our time, um, can you speak just a little bit about um, scarcity and how we always are looking at the bucket being half empty around time?
1: Yes, unfortunately in education, our mantra is scarcity. Um, There's not enough time, there's not enough money, there's not enough resources, there's not enough teachers, there's not enough, you know, um, para support. And so one of the conversations that I keep bringing up through the podcast is this idea that we have enough, and more doesn't equal better, more just equals more. And so, right, like, <laughs> and it's, it's this kind of irony. This actually happened to me when I was a school leader. Like, we were, you know, we need more, we need more support, and what ended up happening was I got an influx of support, but then now I had more to manage. So it more <laughs> meant more, and I actually was spending more time managing the resources that I would <laughs> received than really like, Getting the priority down and thinking, like, what's the one next thing we need to do with what we already have? And how can we accomplish this knowing that it's enough and that we have all that we need, the kids are going to be OK, and the day-to-day work that we do, we ground ourselves in that versus getting lost in that scarcity mindset of what's going to happen in the future.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We have to focus on the present moment. What What are we doing today that's going to make the most difference and have the most impact?
0: Oh, I love that so tell me how you uh, were able to leverage your coaching strategies with kids because at the end of the day we want to see our kids be successful right and so do you have a have a, some kind of a recollection about how you were able to <laughs> yes help somebody uh, yeah through this coaching so when I got
1: very comfortable with the steer cycle which is one of the tools that I share in my book um, I I had the old chart paper, right? And I was showing them like, okay, here's the situation. You know, Sammy hit you. What, did, what, did, what was your thought about that? Now, um, well, I didn't like it when Sammy hit me. I didn't like it when Sammy hit me. Like, how did that make you feel when you were thinking that you didn't like it? How did that make you feel? Well, I was mad. Okay, and so I would go through the process with them and show them like, when you felt mad, how did you act? How did, how did you act in response to his hitting you? Oh. Oh that oh, I see and they but the kids were so receptive to it like they could immediately see the connection between thought feeling and action more so than the parents even because the parents want to come in and defend you we love our babies. Mm-hmm. we, we want to believe that they do no no wrong and no harm right um, And so for the kids to see um, the reactional response and how they can intentionally decide to change that like okay, when somebody hits me, they're having, like, it's because of the way they're thinking and feeling, so how can I help them? How can I be more compassionate? How can I get the support I need before I react? And this whole idea of teaching kids that you can feel a very strong negative emotion in your body and let it vibrate without reacting to it, without giving in to the urge, and that was really um, a fun time in my career because to be able to see kids not just take like academic responsibility, but take emotional and well-being and um, I call them emotional fitness, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a muscle you have to mm-hmm. practice and strengthen. Seeing them take that ownership and then starting to use that language and have the conversation, mm-hmm. it really not only decreased issues on campus or at recess or whatnot, it helped parents come
0: too. Wow! I, I just well, like you know, I thought that was so powerful coming from the kids. The social the that social emotional learning, you know, that's mm-hmm. you know that's kind of the buzz acronym yes. right now is social emotional learning. However, um, kind of what you've described there is an opportunity for you to model and to teach social emotional learning based on the cycle, the steer cycle, is what yes. you called. Yes. And uh, to not only model that for students, but to model it for adults and for families right. and. My goodness, we know that there's a pipeline, uh, counselors, psychologists, and all of these people that could be deployed to a system, to be able to um, make make an impact on social emotional learning. But if we could all really embody and live the Steer Cycle, right. boy, we everyone could learn that. Well, and imagine a school where
1: the conversations amongst your staff are okay. They recognize, like, I'm really feeling the burn right now and I need the support. I know it's my thinking, but I'm like, and here's what happens, you know, as a coach, I coach school leaders and we all have blind spots. We all have deeply rooted belief systems that we, um, we just can't tap into because it feels just to our core like truth. And we can't see past it. So that's what a coach does. A coach gets in there and kind of pokes around and says, wait a minute, let's look at this thought. Let's look at this belief system you're having. Like, how do you know that that's true? What evidence do you have? Is there evidence outside of that 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 might not be true for you? Or circumstances that could lean to another truth? And um, so that really, like having those conversations, I just think, imagine a school where you're having those kind of conversations as a staff, where one, people feel safe enough to say like, I'm feeling this emotion.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: don't want to react to it. I want to be proactive about it, but I need the help. I can't see past like what's going on here, what thought I don't even know the thought I'm having right now, but to have those kinds of conversations in a staff, and I really think the steer cycle just it eliminates blame because you can't you can't blame it's not mm-hmm. the district, it's not the state, it's not your mm-hmm. colleague, it's not the kids, the parents like you bring it back into yourself and you really introspect and focus on like okay what can I do where is my like sphere of control and I think if a staff could have those kinds of conversations around any topic it neutralizes the topic at hand and it brings it down to what are we thinking and feeling about it and how do we want to and that's what I love there's intentional cycles and in intentional cycles and so I teach principles, how to shift from here's what I'm currently thinking about this, here's how I want to think about this, and let's bridge the gap slowly so that I get this desired result versus the undesired
0: result that I'm currently mm-hmm. getting. So, well you know when you when you're speaking about that, um, when we think about historical inequities, which is a big part of the work of the mission of AWSP, mm-hmm. is how do we through leadership get to the point of where we can uh, really tackle historical inequities. It is about getting at people's belief systems mm-hmm. yes. and then being able to bridge that gap. So with the growth mindset, you might not be there yet, but if you know you wanna be there, that's right. where you wanna end, right. then what can I do as a professional to lead in courageous and responsible ways to, to get to where I know I need right. to be, but I might just right. need a coach.
1: Yes, So the and, and the scary thing about those conversations for people is when we're honest about the thoughts that we think, we believe that the thoughts are a reflection of who we are at our soul, at our core. And one thing that I've been learning as in my master coach training and programs is that um, we wanna separate out the thoughts because those thoughts like can be pretty ugly or they can feel terrible and then we feel bad about the thoughts. Thoughts are separate, they're neutral, they're just sentences running through our mind and the longer we think them, the more times we think them, they become beliefs. So when we have to admit that, wow, I'm thinking that this child isn't capable or able to perform at grade level, I don't want to say that out loud because it makes me feel bad. Mm -hmm. It's it's embarrassing, Mm -hmm. I feel terrible even thinking it out loud, Mm -hmm. but if we as leaders are the example of what's possible and we put that vulnerability on the line and say, you know what, sometimes I think that too, In a conversation, creating that safety and space and holding space for somebody to be able to admit those feelings, that is where you get to the core of Mm -hmm. here's where I actually am and here's where I want to be and how can we get there.
0: Wow. And without shame and blame, can you imagine where we'd all be? Right. (laughs) That's powerful. That's so neutralizing
1: thoughts and belief systems really is a core part of coaching and it, it helps people see that They are not their thoughts. It's simply just a sentence, and so many of the sentences that we believe are sentences that we've been told. They're just out there, right? They're societal beliefs, Mm -hmm. they're collective belief systems, and so um, opening the door to this conversation about like here's just here's what my grandparents said, and or here's what my parents said, and and I don't want to be connected to that, but that's just that's what I know now, Mm -hmm. and being safe and open, and as school leaders like kind of being the, the forward person in that and, and leading that vulnerability challenge.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. You know, because when we know better, we do better. Right. So that's really powerful. All right, well, thank you for sharing some specifics about the empowered principle, because I thank think you. that's going to be so exciting to oh. have you speak to our uh, well attendees. Yes. But what are some other special projects you're working on right now?
1: Oh, um, okay. So. Right now I'm in the mi- middle of coaching one-on-one client. So I started my business by trying to reach the individual person. I really wanted professional development to feel different. It you know, instead of this one size fits all, the sit and gets, I did not want that. So I purposely started the program where clients could hire me one-on-one to get private, safe, you know, coaching, confidential coaching. That's been working beautifully for people but we're now at a point where we're expanding out. The the need is greater, the reach is greater, and so in addition to the book and the podcast, of Mm -hmm. course, you can always listen um, to the Empowered Principle podcast, and the Empowered Principle is on Amazon and on Kindle and all of the things. Um, So if you want um, resources to get you interested, to get you started, just to kind of uh, introduce you to the concepts, you can go to those resources or on the website. But what I'm expanding in January 2020, I'm going to run what I call a beta program. I'm going to try this out. Um, I want to launch the Empowered Principal Mastermind, and this would be a group, a group coaching environment. So. Um, sometimes one-on-one feels a little intense to somebody, or they might not be ready to take it to that level. So the mastermind is really going to be about having these kinds of conversations in a group setting with fellow school leaders from anywhere across the nation who want to understand how they can use the power of thought and emotion to really guide their leadership and guide their personal and their professional life. So that will be launching. Well, it's launching now, but we're gonna get started in January. So if anybody's interested, uh, please feel
0: free to reach out. Oh, that's awesome. All right, and our AWSP favorite question. Yes. Who's your favorite principal? (laughs) Um,
1: You know, I grew up a couple years back. (laughs) um, And so this is an amazing example of how school leadership has changed. So to be honest with you, I don't remember Many of my principals, I don't, I don't think I could name them off, but I do remember one. My elementary principal from K to sixth grade, his name was Mr. Spittle. And the reason I remember Mr. Spittle is because uh, back in that day, um, paddling was still a thing. Corporal punishment oh, wow. was still a thing. And I was so honored to not have been paddled. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know, right? Isn't that crazy? But no. It's, that's an interesting question because I didn't have a strong connection with my school leaders. I mean, I think back in the 70s and 80s, it was more about um, managing a school. Mm-hmm. It wasn't instructional leadership. It wasn't relationships with kids. And so um, I love the fact that I was able to evolve the position. And that's really what my job is now, is evolving education by evolving the individual. And that's
0: my mission and my vision and my purpose here today. Oh my gosh! Well, Angela, thank you so much for traveling all the way up from Santa Cruz <laughs> thank to you. beautiful foggy Seattle. Oh, I love it! Uh, but at I the same it. time, we're super excited to um, just introduce you to our group of Well participants and yes. um, really encourage all of our AWSP principals to check out the Empowered Principal on Amazon and the podcast yes. and and come to the Well Conference. That's right. We That's will right. be here. Got some good things coming. Yes. So, looking forward to partnering with you.
1: So, thank awesome. you so much. Thanks for, being for having here. me. Appreciate it. Yeah.
0: Thanks for listening. To catch all of our episodes, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can watch AWSP TV and our other great video content. If you have ideas for guests or topics you'd like to hear about, shoot me an email at david at awsp.org. We'll do our best to make it happen. On behalf for all of us at AWSP, we hope you tune in again. Keep up the great work for kids, and we'll see you next time.